The news crew is assembled. The red bulb in the holder in the centre of the desk has been changed for a white one to avoid any possible repetition of last week's misunderstanding about what services were on offer in Studio 5. And the light flares into incandescence as a voice calls out. Our mics are live. Good evening from the live radio studio over here at Hutton Orbital. I'm one of your hosts for this evening, but joining me tonight, we've got Rudolf Hucker. Good evening, Wilma. Lovely to see you. Next to me, we've got Norma, can't keep a secret, Snockers. Talking of revealing things, Lou, will you please remember to keep your knees together if you're wearing a mini kilt? It's summer and it's hot. That's someone, something no one needs to see. It's a really good thing we removed the cameras from the studio or you'd have taken us off air. Chance would be a fine thing. Pack it in, you two. Right, it's time for the headlines. What about me? Norma, would you mind? I meant I'm here too. Yes, the Harry Balzac is hanging out in the studio again too. This time we are really going for the headlines. Are you sure? It's quite fun videoing those two bickering. Last one earned us 50 credits on When Radio Presenters Go Bad. Channel 69 on Skynet. Yeah, I tell you what, let's just, let's just get on with them. Right, and time for the first bong. Remlock Unlock Airlock Catwalk Sales Talk. Alien life is to be probed by us for a change. Famous mission pilot says, I'd leave it five minutes if I were you. Chalk shock in confection ejection. Earworm sellers get a flea in their, well, ear. At last, something from a brewer that lets you last longer. In this weather, it's no wonder my hot bit is hot off the press. And it's community news time once again. Shares in Remlock surged this week after the Pilots' Federation revealed their new spacesuits and planetary landing survival equipment on a live broadcast. Remlock have been named as one of the number of manufacturers making the latest in space onesies for the intrepid giant leaping small stepping kinds of people that will be putting their best foot forward and their print in the dust on newly accessible worlds early next year. With skin-tight underlayers of pressure suit, the latest in insulating membranes and strap-on bits for just about every exposed part to protect you from the elements, these suits are said to be the latest in one-person planetary survival. Able to be accessorised with everything from a bum bag, uh, that's a fanny pack for any of the night shift listening, for all your trinkets to a jetpack. 
that's a bluffle bag for those that aren't. And all manner of dangerous looking weaponry, digital readouts and of course xenobotanist equipment that wouldn't look out of place as a colour proctologist Halloween ball. They've stolen the lead on other manufacturers who are yet to reveal their hands. Said to be utterly practical, providing support where it is needed the most, protection where you're likely to damage yourself and the needs of worse wire, the suits suit all shapes and sizes of commander. As long as you're relatively athletic and don't have outrageous gorilla arms or short little dumpy legs. That's me out then. <laughs> yes, they're patented one size fits all approach uses using stretchy nanofabrics appears to have excited the markets and they're ramping up production to steal a march on their competitors from 3307 you'll be able to perambulate in style and be the talk of the town courtesy of your very own remlock body sock and kit lock Ongoing testing will be able to determine whether once the restrictions on walking around planet surface are lifted, you'll be able to not only achieve orbits through the tried and tested stand on a crate and hop whilst it lifts off method, but also go the full Baumgartner and skydive your way back to the surface in style. As more details emerge, we'll keep you one step ahead of the galaxy. Sticking with the planetary information, botanists, biologists and zoologists are celebrating this week after the Pilots' Federation announced that they're reclassifying their professional qualifications as elite ranking to accompany your mostly harmless, your totally lost in space and your utterly penniless, you can now be thoroughly clueless to boot. Only by sticking your probinator, uh, named to be confirmed at a later date, into all manner of flora and fauna and then bringing back every sample you can will you be able to rank yourself silly as a scientist out there in the galaxy what will you discover on these worlds cacti the size of a london bus palm fronds that would keep even the most corpulent of imperial senators cool in summer space fuchsias and ice planet snowdrops will your discovery herald a new era for medication and antibiotics Will you find foods the like of which human taste buds have never salivated over before? Or will you be chased across barren landscapes by hordes of carnivorous triffids, their stems rattling with rage that you've dared set foot on their planet? We're awaiting confirmation that animal life will also be included in the rankings and what value these rare galactic genetic samples will fetch on the open market. We reached out to Canon Interstellar for comment on the forthcoming regrading of science as something worth an award, but their tinfoil hats were impenetrable and rejected our call. There is wild speculation that a new class of science ship and module is likely to be available on the open market once the restrictions are removed. Mad scientists are said to be cackling with glee that they can now legally own a laboratory of their own without fear of arrest or 100 credit fine and inevitable destruction. Petitioners for deep space exploration missions are working hard to persuade the Pilots' Federation that new variants of Scarab are essential lab equipment and have been posting pictures of 21st century Mars rovers with onboard sensors, probes and sampling arms. The jury is still out as to whether existing sites of interest, including space pumpkins, brain trees and of course Thargoid sites will be included in the legally accessible Xenobiologist Tourist Guide, but there are those 
that are eager to come face to face with Errol the Scavenger and his friends and actually stick a gloved hand, and presumably a probinator, into the gloop that they spit all over the place. Gone are the days of triple elite. Okay, quadruple elite, but other than Flossie, who's actually dangerous enough to be deadly in CQC. As we herald the era of the quintuple elite and being able to sew your scientist badge onto your pilot's blanket. Hutton Orbital ground to a halt earlier in the week as a full infrastructure failure was declared and yet again an appeal went out for the Alvin's Mercy to haul emergency equipment to the orbital to help lift it. Investigations are ongoing but the most recent incident appears to have started with a visit from one Montgomery Python of the Hutton truckers who, after months of working on the BGS and being more than a little backed up from his space food pellet diet, finally touched down at Hutton Orbital and made the run to the nearest cubicle. When he said that he was going to wrestle a crocodile, we were expecting him to, to just be dropping the kids off at the pool and not going the full giant redwood lumberjack at the fragile Hutton plumbing system. The resultant blockage caused a build-up of explosive gases in the U-bend and blew the pressure relief seals out the side of the station. The resultant biowaste detonation took out part of the station's life support, the entire Hutton Mug and Centauri Megagin production facility and a wing of passing keelbacks. With the entire Hutton plumbing system now open to vacuum and the contents making a P-line straight for the atmosphere of Eden, the ensuing suction caused a number of pilots to be vacuum sealed in the zero-g gazunda. Floor mocking guys jet wash to start sucking in just about anything within a 20-foot cone in front of him, including a Momus Bog Spaniel security guard, and set off a chain reaction of gurgling and banging noises that had the Hutton medium wonder if there was a ghost. Our very own Commander Lou Snockers, yes, me, was first on the scene. I was queuing for pad three after a rather spectacular Hutton run and managed to make it to the emergency stopcock in time to prevent a full station implosion. Lael Wolf, still resident on the station, is said to be less than impressed that her hydroponic watering system ate her begonias and a passing Imperial courier is being reimbursed for the cost of a windscreen shattered by a gravity-accelerated, fast-frozen bio-waste missile and the cost of a new flight suit due to a matching one in his undercrackers. This is a reminder for all pilots arriving at Hutton Orbital. Please ensure that you've used the facilities on board your ship before you arrive and flushed away any ensuing monstrosities into frameshift space before dropping into normal flight. After all, we used to do that in witch space and no one got really upset and invaded us as a result now, did they? Chocolatiers throughout the galaxy have written to the Pilots' Federation with a guilty admission this week after a number of Ice Planet installations reported brownouts of an entirely different kind from the last article. SRV drivers in the vicinity of a number of food production facilities reported that their vehicles were leaving dirty smudges in the pristine ice fields around the bases, and that they were arriving back in the hangar with cravings for Yorkies. It appears that Splint and Tingly designers of the Cocoa Matte Drinks Dispenser, the Everyday is a Sunday ice cream machine, and the milkshake machines at McThargoids that never has any chocolate, managed to fit one of their valves backwards. And instead of sucking in air to add that little bit more froth to your mocha coffee or bubbles in your mousse, it instead ejected a fine cocoa powder 
through the vents and covered just about everything in the area with a layer of delicious desiccated beans. A number of planetary installations on watery worlds ended up surrounded by chocolate lakes, the likes of which Willy Wonka would be proud and attempt to drown naughty children in. Ivanov Orbital in the Coco system reported chocolate devils swirling through the corridors, and Bruce Dock in the Bean system had to dis deploy security to stop the locals licking all the windows. The company have offered to replace anything damaged by flying cocoa nibs and dry clean the clothing of anyone affected, but have reminded everyone that the ejected powder was totally harmless to everything except your waistline. And even then, you need to you'd need to have cleaned an entire anaconda with your tongue to ingest enough to earn a big thumbs down at the next Weight Watchers meeting. Operation Earworm finally hit the right note this week, with pilots from across the galaxy tuning in to hear the Delta Pavonis ear grub production facilities tune up and turn on, ready to begin churning out their goods once again. With the bioengineering laboratories back online and with empty ships holds, pilots loaded up on the rare goods in anticipation of being the first to deliver the grubby ears over in over four years. That is, of course, where it all started to go wrong. Failing to read the small print is no excuse for smudging your clean criminal record and waxing lyrical about how someone should have told you that just about everywhere is declared to be legal just won't wash with the judge. As we reported last week, the Delta Pavonis ear grubs, whilst legal to produce, are declared illegal just about everywhere. And no, you aren't allowed to have any, even if you do say that they're for personal use or you were just holding them for a friend. The first delivery was made by an unnamed smuggler to the lave system. Though our roving reporter Rex Bottoms reported that the shipment of eerie-sounding ear grubs was much appreciated by Eddie Lee Wise and Sons, plus his daughters, who were attempting to perform the spacefaring equivalent of turning a sow's ear into a silk purse. There are rumours that the great god Yamix is giving one out free with every subscription to his Galtube channel, that there is no link whatsoever between the mind-controlling effect of the grubs and a mass outbreak of Yamix said syndrome across all galactic message boards. The Guard Frequency, podcasters and heroic galactic rescue interventionists proudly brought a shipment back to their recently liberated home of Anseeth, which, as you'll recall, Hutton helped free from tyranny and handed them out as souvenirs to all and sundry before a visit for the from the local station authorities who charged them with intent to supply a weapon of mass ear destruction it appears that a major incident was avoided as purely by accident the entire shipment had been irradiated by a neutron star en route and rendered totally inert so consider this a warning Whilst Hutton firmly believes that rares should remain on sale, it should be remembered that just because something can be bought, it doesn't necessarily follow that it should be bought. We'd tell you a tale about Harry Balzac and the Squirty Cream incident, but it's before the watershed somewhere in the galaxy, and we wouldn't want anyone losing their lunch. In the ongoing saga of fleet carriers and their innovative new fuel, Tritium, as with any nascent technology, there are glitches, patches, experiments that work, innovations, and of course, abject failures. Scientists working for the Brewer Corporation hailed their latest work a 
total success this week, as their latest software patch to the frame ship, frame shift and jump drives of their fleet carriers had even more success than taking your SRV down to that dodgy garage on the corner with a laptop and the promise that you'll get ooh, at least 40 more horsepower, mate, out of your scarab, you know. Yes, by a gentle application of a flying road, tweaking of the space to fuel ratio and a good clean of the tritium injectors, they've managed to halve the fuel consumption of fleet carriers. Any rumours that stripping mass from the hulls and skimping on the air conditioning were involved in this titanic jump in effectiveness are just that, rumours. Share prices in fuel refineries throughout the galaxy have dropped, as each tonne of fuel is now worth at half as much as it was before. Miners have breathed a sigh of relief, though those under the influence of the dead horse brand Free Ear Grub are still moaning that 200 tonnes every half an hour is outrageous and they want to return to the good old days when you could fill your fleet carrier up by just flying past an icy ring with the window open. It didn't stop the cloud atlas having a near rat incident this week, as calculations as to the remaining fuel for the return trip to Hutton appear to have gone awry again. With a miscarried one and a divide by zero error, it left them potentially adrift with insufficient fuel to make the full trip. We're delighted to say that after a swift beating with an abacus, the Atlas has made it safely home and it is looking forward to the extra safety that the improved fuel consumption brings to its expeditions as the official big button number two bus. Brewer Corporation have now confirmed that the limit has now been reached on efficiency for its carriers as there is no more to eke out of the tritium. They can now move on to the ever-growing problem of carrier dereliction and the abundance of space graveyards full of mothballed carriers around popular locations, with fleet carriers proving to be both a navigation hazard and attracting squatters, they're investigating using them as storage for all the excess tritium that no one wants anymore. This week, we've mostly been failing, or at least our infrastructure has. Firstly, in Alpha Centauri, and now it's moved to WISE 0855-0714. To be honest, I don't think anything's really failed. I think someone's just messed up an algorithm. Obviously, we need to fix WISE, so if you could hop in system, you should find that Alvin's Mercy has all the goods you need. If you need to make some money, Wolves 25 is in outbreak, so trucking meds will do that for you, whilst helping out our sniffly citizens. We don't normally work against other factions, especially not other player factions, but Alvin has asked me to make it clear to the CIA that getting too close to the rear of a spaniel inevitably winds up with having your nose bitten. So, if you're listening, we respectfully request that you drop your influence in Trepin. I'll leave it to the custodian to monitor, but a rapid and noticeable drop is about to happen one way or the other if you get my drift. In Avic, the same applies to the Sirius Corporation, but we have no qualms there, just get in and smash them down a few notches. For a change, we're not in an election in Colonia. Well, not for a day or two, I expect. So run missions and drag passengers about, whether they want to be dragged or not, in all of our systems and spread your data around stations we own. Apart from that, everything's nice and steady, so have some fun. Evening everyone, Norma here. I've taken my eye off Lou for a few minutes and cast it over what everyone else in the galaxy is up to. First up, say cheese. That's community harnessing extra effort for special effect. 
a 24-hour special effect charity live stream with Roots Rats starting Friday and 1700 BST. Guests include Kin Rain in disguise as Baz from the Hill Hark Side Blues, also known as Special Effects, and Alan Stroud of Lave Station, who will tell how everyone how the process of writing a story for a game differs from writing a book. Paul Crowther and Arthur Tolmy, two new community managers for the Pilots Federation, will chat about space and there will be an SRV jumping contest too. Commanders Osrek and Alec Turner from the Buckyball Racing Club will give some tips on how to improve racing times, probably by SRV jumping. Apart from that, there will be some other attractions, games to win, fun challenges and giveaways, including five unique, special effects inspired paint job and decal packs. The stream will be mostly in English, with some Polish segments, and we have an event on our Facebook page. Next, for the murders at heart, we've got the SRV Slaughter Ball 3306. Episode 2 takes place this Sunday 23rd of August, starting at 2200 BST, 21 game time. This time, the first PC match will be in a private group, Ayala Uwain. I note that you must request entry to the group before the match starts. This episode is Mad Scientist in Mayhem on HIP 12099-1A at coordinates minus 72.7 minus 67.4 at stack in the base. Details are in the event discord and there's a summary on YouTube. Search for Slaughterball, all one word and the link in the forum post that details the previous episode and also has the Discord information and it's bit.ly slash slaughterball. From Hutton's diary, there's early notification that Commander Shoreside Customs is once again hosting a Hutton and the Guardians event starting on August 29th at 2100 BST until 2300 on Saturday, August the 30th. During the weekend, there will be a trip out to a Guardian site to collect module blueprints and Guardian materials. If there's enough time, a visit to a weapon blueprint site may be included as well. It will be a guided tour, so don't worry if you haven't got any Guardian stuff before. If you'd like to come along, you'll need a small ship, DBX is great for this, with point defence and at least one SRV. It's open to all platforms, but if you are not a hotboxer, it's worth trying to get together with other like-minded commanders to coordinate. There's an event on our Facebook page where you can get the updates. It sounds like Turning the Wheel initiative rumbles on, with the Dark Wheel supporters looking to expand once again in their efforts to move to somewhere nice en route to discovering whether Raxler is in that direction or not. And that's it from the community for this week. And 
thank you very much to the news team. Now, it appears that the gremlin, the hut and duck and everything else has once again invaded the studio, which means not only is the hut and ticker flashing like a crazy thing on screen, um, and not only do we sound like we're actually hut and ducks on the radio station, we're really sorry to our radio listener, but um, apparently we were, yes... We we were we were a couple of octaves higher than we should have been. I think it's fixed now. But if anybody wants to check the radio stream, possibly, maybe, possibly not. And of course, we've got a satellite delay between me and my presenters again, just like seamless. That. <laughs> there we go. I knew you'd <laughs> crash into that. I timed it perfectly. Absolutely seamless. So uh, we're going to be doing some more technical <laughs> shenanigans over over the next uh, little bit to work out why on earth everything else is going out perfectly timed except. The comms across the desk to my co-presenters. I think it's because you keep tuning into the Colonia satellite instead of the Alpha Centauri one. It could be. I mean, this is about the right kind of delay for, what is it, uh, a thousand light years. Remember, in a, what is it, 22,000 light years? About uh, roughly 22, yes. Do you know, it's, it's, it's no small coincidence that I'm actually in Colonia at the moment. I mean, I sent Cecil back, but I, I'm currently sitting at Fort Mug on the remote radio station, so this might be no coincidence at all. Or it could be that I'm, I'm streaming everything to the radio and the video and everything's had a bit of a tantrum this week again. So I've probably got an enormous apology to give to Mr. Cow. Well, that goes without saying. <laughs> right, so well, joining me in the studio this evening with, with a, about a three-second delay that won't go away until I reboot everything before tomorrow morning, um, we have Commander Flossie, who I forgot last week, but I'm not going to forget this week, am I, Flossie? No, you're not going to forget, are you? <laughs> that Hello. hurts terribly. <laughs> And it's a big pan. Oh, it is. It is. Yes, uh, Commander Flossie. And, and what have you been up to this week? Are you are you still you know world of Flossie crafting and and being a, a tail gunner in a I don't know a World War Two edition Sidewinder? I've been doing a lot in World of Warcraft again. I'm trying to get everything, all my characters up to the top before the next expansion comes in, and we get all levels squished. <laughs> right. Are you my daughter in disguise? <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people doing the same. <laughs> exactly the conversation I've had in my house this week. And and Commander Flossie, as That's you're a youngster, I've done very little in life. Sorry, as you're a youngster, Commander Flossie, how were <laughs> your GCSE results this week? <laughs> my GCSE results. Oh, well, they weren't this week. They were a good few years ago, but they uh, were pretty good. <laughs> Nines across the board, you are definitely not mostly harmless at your GCSEs. Unlike unlike many, many other people who've done incredibly Nine, well for them. Nines? Nines, yes. You don't get A's anymore. You get nines. But I had twos and threes. I didn't have nines. No, nines. Unless you're in Scotland, <laughs> well, nines are good. That's because they used a much good. better class of slate to write things on then. <laughs> Unless you're in Scotland, nines are good. Because nines are bad <laughs> in Scotland, but they're not bad south of the border, where ones are good in Scotland, but nines are good south. It's just... Uh, uh, it used to be ums, Fact, universal marking one, one to One to six. One to six was pass, and seven to nine was fail when I was at school. Eh? Unless you did CSE, and then it was you for ungraded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what the U's are. And in Glasgow, it's a CU. <laughs> CU. U's ungraded. It's, it's not it's not even worth a, a grid. <laughs> Thanks for turning up. Here's a letter. Anyway, um, and obviously uh, near Flossie, <laughs> with his mellifluous tones there, and definitely interrupting me on the end of every sentence so he actually times it absolutely perfectly, it's Harry Balsack. <laughs> Good evening. And Mr Balsack, other than cursing the satellite um, from yes. Colonia. Yes. 
How mm-hmm. have you been? Have you been cooking, been entertaining? Oh, yes. No, so not cooking. No, la, la, was it? No, I can't remember when I had my socially distanced um, lunch for my for family that came over. Uh, no, that was last week. So, no, uh, no, I've just been been quite quiet this week. Uh, no, very, very little. Just sitting outside whenever it wasn't raining. It's all just been quiet. I, I'm sure there are some Nothing lyrics... Nothing of any entertainment value whatsoever. No, I see, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of some entertaining lyrics to the old um, theme tune from uh, Record Breakers. You know, ooh, isolation's what you need if you want to have a jolly quiet life and tell everybody else mm. to bugger off. Yes. I mean, it's a pity. I missed having people coming here, but uh, I'm putting my feet up and doing nothing and just enjoying the company of my uh, my lovely missus. I could pay money for that otherwise, so... <laughs> I'll happily take it for free. Yes, and, well... I don't, forget, maybe, I don't have a day job to go back to, so it's not a problem. Well, neither do many of us that want to have a day job to go back to either, to be fair. Don't, I'm don't, sorry, I shouldn't rub that in, should no, I? No, oh. I? Oh. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, well, the, the, the day job... The, well, no, the day job is getting quite exciting, and I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i mention it when I get back to... I'll tell you what, somebody else can interview me with a four-second lag, but before we do that, um, we are going to go to Amelia... Hello. And how was Tuesday, Amelia? Did you kill everybody terribly? Um, actually, I didn't because, uh, I mean, I did get the rolls. Um, you, you know, you were there. You saw the rolls. Um, but uh, I didn't kill you. All. You, all, you all got week. off light, I thought. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and, and obviously you, you've got your sort of weekly quotes that you've been putting out um, all over the place. And feel free to interrupt me with your weekly quotes once you've found them. But, you know, you, you put together these words of wisdom from your, your gaming <laughs> every single Tuesday night. And, and you know, this week <laughs> you may have had some absolute sparklers. Yes, there was a, a good number of uh, um, really good quotes this week. Um but for some reason, my Facebook has died on me and I cannot access it. Well, if I keep bantering for a while on with our, with our enormous delay before, you know... Um, <clears throat> oh, oh here we go. Oh, you've, got, you've got them. You've got them. Go ahead. Yes. So um, we had... I mean, we get... like I always try and get about four quotes every week, but um, <laughs> the, the quotes this week, and by far my favourite, was, uh, OK, guys, and by guys, I mean non-gender specific group name. <laughs> okay. There was hey hey <laughs> That was you, Dave, I believe. It may have been me, yes. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> and we had uh Hey Navman, get off the crapper. And <laughs> that was, I'm so that bad with sensors that I'm I jam theirs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the last quote was actually something that I actually have a really hard time pronouncing because it's the accent. He's got like a really thick uh Jamaican accent. He says, me crew tell me they want me to front you up. Me say you a chuckle. Um, I'm not going to say that on air. Not It's a bit early for that. Uh, NCOMS. A chuckle funk. I think we're good by, we're good by six minutes, I think. Good by six minutes. <laughs> you could be you could call you somebody sure? a, a total chuckle funk. And if you don't know what a chuckle funk is, you, you yes, need to... Yes, a total chuckle funk. Yeah, that's the one. <clears throat> yes. You're funking head examining. Shiz nods. And for those of you who don't know what chuckle funks <laughs> and shiz nods are, one needs to find uh, Barry J. Hutchison and the space team books that Amelia has still totally failed to listen to or read or buy. I, I haven't actually managed to get uh, to, to relax and watch any TV either. So I've not I've not read anything. I've not actually managed to catch up on my series. I've got the Umbrella Academy to catch up on and, and the Mandalorian. Where does all of the time 
go. So, and, and then, of course, there's... Yeah, there's I know, right? There's, there's the dead meat. Good evening. Tell us all about what happened. I mean, we put it in the news, but tell us what happened with your hut and run. You were going for the hut and run, weren't you? I mean, you were really, really going for it. I, I was noticeably under Mr. Riverboat's time, um, according to the fantastic Hutton Helper, where I shouted, are we there yet? And it said, you're going super fast. And then I dropped out of Super Cruise and fired myself toward the station and said, can I have a landing pad, please? And it went, no, someone's on it. And normally it's a NPC and you keep requesting and they bugger off and it shaves a bit off your time and that's not brilliant, but you know. And it turns out it was Monty P. So I messaged him and said, would you mind vacating the pad? And no answer. It's all with Monty P. <laughs> yeah. And I continued, continued to message him and beep at him and park in front of him, flashing my lights at him and etc. And using different language, I imagine. You were getting shorter and shorter in your sentences, were you? Well, in my head, yes. I'm very polite on comms, obviously, because that's and recorded. Because somebody important. might be recording it. Indeed, yes. <laughs> and uh, yes, I continued and uh, eventually, uh, well, eventually he stayed there forever. <laughs> And apologise. You about didn't feel like switching to solo or something like that because that's just I, cheating. I, that I, is cheating, isn't it? I had to in the end because I was mm. going to run out of fuel. <laughs> you see, something. you think get, the news get to come and rescue you because you can't land. <laughs> you think the news is all entirely made up, but it's all true because Monty B had an urgent call of something that he had to attend, and then got distracted. He did, yes. Yes, I mean, how, how you forget you've left a Python on pad three when there's only one medium pad? I don't know, but you know. This must happen to him a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Oh, I went down Remember into the hangar. Remember doing hot mess when yeah. we had that last infrastructure. I went down um, into the hangar and just every left time the I went there. to um, Al every time I went to Alden Prospect, <laughs> there was Monty P on the pad. <laughs> He's gone for a Monty every P. Time. He is actually uh, he a euphemism now. Monty P has he become wasn't a euphemism. Even in the hangar. Yes. And not for what it rhymes with. Um, yes, he's, he wasn't even on the, in the hangar. He was just. Even in the hangar doesn't help. Yeah, he was he was just blatantly parked there. He could see me waiting. He could see me flashing my lights at him. He could hear me beeping him on comms. But no, he was just in the didn't smallest care. room of the ship, I guess. Didn't care one <laughs> bit. No, no. So, but, you know, um, at least it, it means Mr. Riverboat's still the champion. So um, we've got a few things in the, the basket to, to chat about this week who wants to take away the the first one for us as to to what else is going on out there i know we mentioned lots of it earlier with flossie but there there are some details hands up who wants the first one who knows anything about it who's <laughs> actually listened to the flight assist podcast well i mean do you want me to take the first one i can hear tumbleweed okay there is there is definitely tumbleweed i'm afraid you caught us on the hop though well, for those of us, for those of us that um, listen to other things as well as Hutton Orbital Radio, and we're going to look at you suspiciously for listening to other things other than Hutton Orbital Radio, the very wonderful Psychic and Mal for the win um, have a uh, the Flight Assist podcast where they assemble lots of people to talk to and interviews and all sorts. On well, they can be found on www.flightassistpodcast.com. And if you go there, you'll be able to find out a little bit more about what Psychic and Mal for the win and their special guests are up to. They they gather a plethora of people to talk about stuff to do with space and, and our spaceships a lot. And it is well worth your time if you've got the free time. And then we've also got an appeal. Yeah, this is interesting because I mean, we know that Canon Reese 
Canon Research are a are a wonderful bunch. Well, most of them anyway. Not that Welsh one, but the other the others are all really nice. And and as the the Gnosis has done sterling service and been involved in certain um, nefarious non-jumping um, events, which will go down in, in the annals of history. Um, <laughs> the Gnosis is being retired. Mm-hmm. Well, do tell the what they were being after. Retired. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what, they, what were they looking for? Well, 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 because the Gnosis being what the well, Gnosis we mean when it back when it was being used or. When, no, 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 the LCU, no, full-like one. What was he after for the the Life on the Gnosis video competition? Oh, yes, well, this is something that, because Gnosis is being retired, they want to actually have a nice commemoration of it, something to, to for us to be able to remember it in a very fond way. And and so they're looking for a video, people to make a, a, a short video You've got to make it, make it on or based around the gnosis and what it's done. And what anything, the topic could be anything. Um, I don't know, the documentary dramas, um, a mockumentary thing, a, a, some kind of detail of features, anything you want. As long as gnosis is in there, I think they'd be pretty happy with it. But at the moment, for some reason, people do not seem to be keen to do it, despite the fact that the winner will actually be winning uh, a very limited edition um, water bottle with from Canon Research. Uh, and the, the, so the person who makes it will actually get one, and you can nominate up to two people who helped you do it, and they'll also get one. Um, and the competition's going until the 3rd of September, which, when they opened it, seemed like such a long way away. But it seems that everybody's been too busy being furloughed and putting their feet up to actually get around and do a video and, and actually put some ta- some of the well-known talent we have out there into creating a video for them. So get on with it. Yeah. Get your finger out. What are you looking at me for? I've got no talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah. You've got a finger. <laughs> but yes, so, so yeah, Canon instead are looking for you know, life on the Gnosis. We know you went to the Gnosis. We know you took part in the Gnosis and we know you love water bottles with logos on. So, at the moment, you're in with a very, very, very good chance of winning because not enough people have submitted information about it. They're all well and good going on the Gal Forum and and saying, oh, remember the Gnosis? That was really good fun when we went with the Gnosis. But they can't actually remember what they did or actually remember to post about it. So, at the moment, you're in with a very good chance of winning something lovely from Canon Interstellar if you get onto that. So, that's... Okay, I'm going to go with the the address again. Canon... That's C A one N O two Ns dot science forward slash news forward slash slash gnosis G N O S I S hyphen that's a dash competition slash which we will post into the chat channel as soon as Harry Balsack finds his mouse buttons <clears throat> so that people can see it. And there's more information on there as well. So, uh, Commander Deadmeat, I'm going to line you up for the next one as well. We've got more going on. We have, yes. There's an announcement that says, Attention, bookieballers, all that practising you've been doing running to SAG A and back is finally about to pay off. Commander Exegius, in conjunction with edtutorials.com, Frontier Developments and the Buckyball Racing Club is proud to present the Elite Dangerous Colonia Speedrun. There's a video link which I won't read out because it's a YouTube one, which is just numbers. But I don't know if Mr Bullsack can post that in the chat as well. So this is in conjunction with Buckyball Racing, Frontier Developments and DD Tutorials. 
The Colonial Speedrun Competition entry form is at forms.glee and lots of numbers, which we will also put in the chat. And I'm sure we'll post it to Facebook as an event. The entry deadline is midnight PST on Sunday, September the 6th. So be safe and do it by Saturday. What PST is over here. Winners will be announced on Tuesday, September the 8th. It's an engineered competition and the rules are it must be in solo mode and include evidence in video form. All engineering synthesis Guardian modules and neutron jumps are allowed. Third party routing tools are allowed. No exploits slash cheating. Any ships are allowed. There's also an unengineered competition rules, which must also be in solo mode and include evidence in the video. No engineering or synthesis. No Guardian modules. You are allowed to neutron boost. You are allowed to use third party routing tools. But no anacondas. Counts me out. That's my only jump ship. Maybe I'll do it in a... You don't have an asp? Not a jump asp. <laughs> no, no, jump jump asps. Oh, I haven't tried a jump asp in ages. I remember when an asp was the thing with, with six guns and... Oh, oh, oh. But no, <clears throat> no anacondas. Well, my first my first trip to Colonia was in a python. Okay. And that, that, was, bef- that was before it was really Colonia. That was when Jax had just arrived there and people went oh that's where it okay so when um, i prefer an asp to a conda there's i tell you somebody posted the other day say there's absolutely nothing going on i might as well quit until odyssey because there's nothing going on and the only thing we have to say to them is probably um you're wrong there's a shed load going on hi <laughs> it's a big galaxy but it's full of stuff it is, it's, it, yes, space is big. The space is also large, but space you cannot move for things. Yeah. Yes. Of stuff to do. So, um, Commander, Commander Flossie, are you there? Yes. Are you? I mean, we're missing. I'm here. We're missing the CCCCCGs. We're missing the interstellar yes. initiatives. Mm-hmm. We are missing Flossie and her yes. tune. Well, we've got you new things to do. But Commander Flossie, did you see the dev diary from earlier this week? I did, yes. Yeah, it was very good. I enjoyed it. So, I mean, there's stuff to learn. But if you, if you, you know, team between you want to to sort of talk about something you've taken away from the dev diary this week, that's not the they're ten out of ten excited because I'm bagging that one myself. Um, we'll just go down the list from, from, from Harry to Amelia to Dead Meat to Flossie. Ooh, exciting. Harry, you take it away first. Well, I thought looking at being able to walk around the outside of your ship, it's, for me, it's going to be different from being in your SRV. I mean, you go around the SRV, you still don't get the same sense of scale as you will do when you're standing on, well, I won't say necessarily your own two feet, because it could be somebody else's. Well, but I, I think that me, and the ability to then maybe crawl up to the edge of a canyon. <laughs> yes, go up to an edge of a canyon and, and look down. Just li- t- tilt your head, which I presume we must be able to do. That's otherwise you're going to have a lot of falling down poles you don't see. Or a head but look. Yes. The ability to look around like that, I think it's just going to be marvellous. Yes, I'm. I'm just, and obviously, well, it just looks so pretty. <laughs> It's lovely. And and Guys, so, uh, Amelia. Sunrises, sunsets. Um, I agree with everything that Harry said, uh, not because I haven't seen the video at all, but because, you know, he's usually in, intelligent and makes the best decisions. And uh, I'll go with that. <laughs> Nicely recovered. Smooth with a schmoo. <clears throat> and the dead, <laughs> the dead meat. I've only seen the short one, but I'm even that's 
impressive. I'm saving up the long one to rewatch at the weekend when I can remember to turn chat off. Definitely, um, we're, we're talking. We're talking. It's not what you think we're talking about. We're actually talking about the the Odyssey stuff. Yes, I know. You're talking no. about you're talking about the the hour long one. I've I've seen the five minute one. Honest, um, and you were going on about short and long and not being terribly impressive or something. Sorry, I didn't I didn't know if you're on the same same page as us. Sorry, that's on Channel sixty nine. So, yes. But yes, it does. The 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 bit I saw uh, that really impressed me was was the new the new graphics that I think are uh, the, the iteration from the sneaky concept previews we saw way back at a LaveCon that was memorable not only for the graphics but for getting told off. So, the but but I mean, did you see the Probinator, the scary looking DNA Probinator, and that looks a little bit like a certain kind of vacuum cleaner whose brand we are not going to mention. <laughs> Um, there's, there's a, the what the the little the um, the less lengthy video will that do that I saw the, the, he is carrying it but you uh, you can't actually see it in full so I'm looking forward to uh, having a giggle about that yeah. But Flossie, did you look at the probinator? I mean, you you definitely watched this, didn't you? You're not going to let me down, are you, Flossie? Oh yes, yes, yes. I I, I thought the probinator looked really really good, um, and I'm really looking forward to. Probing some things with this. <laughs> I mean, it is very impressive, but I can't help feeling it's really just a big boy's version of those pens you used to have with lots of different coloured inks in. It did look uh, like you'd slide one of those things down just to get... Um, I can't help. Sorry, that's what it looked like to me. OK, well... Yeah, I know what you mean. I used to have those as well. <laughs> no, it looks far better than that. And the, and, and, the, and the jolly big rifle that he was carrying over his shoulder and the jetpack. All I want to know about is the jetpack. I want to... I mean, it's... Is, is it just now hit the button and go the full, you know, Iron Man, Superman, whatever? Or or is it a bit like a spaceship where it just it holds you sensibly level so you can't plummet to the earth screaming, oh, my God, all the way down, you know? Um, anyway. <sighs> it could be both. <laughs> it, it, it could be both, but excited to see. Both, depending on how hard you hit the button. I mean, there are whole people who are going to waste, like, months and months and months just taking pictures of sunrises and sunsets because it's beautiful i mean forget forget anything to do just the sunrises (laughs) and sunsets oh it's a different kind of world with a different kind of atmosphere with a different colored sun just land on land on meter and you can get 20 sunsets in an hour (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you just see you see commanders in their remlock special suits the head going left, the head going right, the head going left, the head going right, as the, and then feeling a little bit sick, and then the remlock filling up from the bottom. And on that mental... And I wonder if you can actually uh, join up with other commanders. Can you hold hands? Because then you could make a sort of... Or maybe you could make a, a human pyramid trying to, to trying to get out of the gravity well of Mitter and Hollow. If you can genuinely join hands, then they will try and make a ring around a whole a whole body. They'll find the smallest planet they can and try and make an actual ring of commanders around it. And then all sink come <laughs> I'd like to teach them. Yeah, if there's if there's a way of abusing it in perfect we'll find harmony. It. <laughs> <laughs> Hippie skipping. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> right, okay. You seekers. Okay, look counts me out. <laughs> we've we've managed fairly well with the three second delay, just about. And we're really sorry as the listener if everybody's been talking over each other and, and the radio station's still going completely rubbish. Has anybody got their ears on the radio station? Are we still sound like Alvin and the Chipmunk? No, I, I, did, I listened earlier and it was okay. I, I suspect I know what the guilty culprit is here on all the delays and everything ago. else. Yes. 
Right. Um, well, I'm go- I'm going to hand over to to button pushing now, and I'm going to read the script because there's an intro, then there's a thing, then there's an encyclopedia, then there's another thing, and yeah. So I'm going to hand over to you lot now to tell me what's going up next, Amelia. So um, first tonight we have a song from the archives. This one is dedicated to all the piratey and PvP types out there, and it's all about the Fair de Lance. Ha in orbital, my ship gets broken. Point two two light is is spoken. Always the truckers are trucking. Always some mugs they are a cooking. For credits we're looking, and my hard points gleaming. The innocents are screaming. I like the cobras exploding. Get them in my sights, then coat them. I like to kill in my Ferdinand. Innocence die by my Ferdinand. Everything pops with a Ferdinand. Time to go boom to my Ferdinand. When they drop cargo, it's so nice. Well, look at us and they think twice. I have the best killing loadout. Is anyone left though to take out? Truckers all run from my Ferdinand. Interdict all in my Ferdinand. Shields are all gone to my Ferdinand. You're gonna die to my Ferdinand. Lots of new haulers have spawned here. The happiest we've been all year. They all like to call us cheap dogs. Now that all they want is just mugs. Life is so great in a Ferdinand. Making some catch in a Ferdinand. Blockading stars with my Ferdinand. Taking you out in my Ferdinand. Encyclopedia Galactica presents the corporations, an investigation into the huge companies that make the galaxy what it is today. This week, Vodal.
a small delivery company in the Europe region of planet Earth. Vodel, or Yodel as they were then known, were famous for their speedy, reliable service, using their distinctive green vans. However, following the start of World War III in 2044, demand for delivery services really dropped off, and the company spent the best part of 200 years moribund, with a handful of staff operating as mechanics, attempting to keep a small fleet of vans serviceable for when they might be needed again. In the late 2230s, when the Federation sought to bring back under control the colonists in the Tauceti system, the mechanics of Yodel were pressed into service to maintain the grand assault vehicles that were to take back Taylor Colony. Following the action and the signing of the Federal Accord, a group of Yodel mechanics remained on Tauceti, and created from scratch, using some of the tooling abandoned by the invasion force, a new branch of their company called Vodel as an anagram of loved. The only company working to develop a suspension suitable for the rough terrain of Taylor Colony, their rugged, multi-jointed suspension and broad wheel arrays proved a hit with the colonists. The first model was called the Dung Beetle, after the only remaining indigenous life on the planet, and it was available in any colour you liked as long as it was black. Capable of carrying two chickens and a bag of corn to market, it was ideal for the small farmers of Taylor Colony. Over the years, the outstanding build quality and economical price of Vodal products kept it ahead of the competition. Most transportation was undertaken using spaceships, but there was always a niche for local surface transport. The Stag, the Minotaur and the Death Watch models came and went. By the 34th century, the latest model, the Scarab, was by far and away the predominant small surface vehicle, and Vodal had manufacturing plants in several hundred inhabited systems. In a way, it's a surprise it didn't happen sooner. The profit margin for commodity surface vehicles could never compete with the profits of the really large corporations, making the company an attractive acquisition for a spaceship company wanting to offer a complete transport solution to its customers. To the chagrin of Gutamaya, it was Jupiter Rochester's core dynamics that bought out the Vodal management and made Vodal a core dynamics mark. The entire design, engineering and manufacturing staff of Vodal was kept on, and Vodal is still run as an autonomous subsidiary with considerable independence from its parent company. There have been rumours that Vodal is working on a new range of larger surface vehicles, and that Gutemaya is interested in developing a range of its own vehicles for Imperial citizens who feel uncomfortable driving around in a federal vehicle. But no matter what the future may bring, millions of commanders will remember fondly their first Scarab. To some, they were a utility vehicle, used for collecting materials for others, they were a means of conducting ground assaults. For a select few, they were very nearly an air vehicle used for racing. They have been driven round entire planets. They have been to the other side of the galaxy. They have been used to transport two tons of precious cargo back at a time when gold was worth something. It may be core dynamics now, but for all those commanders, the original surface vehicle will always be Vodal.
it's really nice to have him back properly, isn't it? Thank you, Commander Wotherspoon. Learning hasn't been this much fun since Eddie Izzard was a guest on Sesame Street and sang a jolly song with Big Bird about choosing between cake and death. Now, we have another classic sketch from our archive which deserves to have another turn in the daylight. Then we're going over to Flossie for this week's sports results. Please return to it immediately. You are causing an obstruction. Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Piece of crap. Oh, no, that's got it. My name is Alex Quinn, and this is my first personal log entry as the new Chief of Base Security at Hutton Orbital. So, how did I end up here? Well, before taking this job, I was petty officer in the Federal Navy, and it was going pretty well for me. Until, whilst on routine patrol on some backwater outpost, my unit ran into some of the local population that didn't appreciate us being there, and showed that appreciation by shooting at us. Now, normally this would not have been a problem. However, the night before, I'd drunk an obscene amount of Erin in Pearl whiskey in the officer's mess, and was quite squiffy the next morning. It was in this foggy state that I mistook the meaning of my commanding officer's orders of fire at will. And, well, let's just say Captain Will was never the same again after that. I was court-martialed, found guilty, and dishonorably discharged. I had nowhere to go and no job to turn to, so I jumped at the opportunity when the job of Chief of Base Security for Hutton came up. Apparently, the previous chief met his untimely end by way of a faulty airlock, a bottle of mega gin, and an animatronic sheep named uh, Dolly. But the way I saw it, one man's loss was another man's gain. Mine. So, I made my way to Hutton Orbital, and after an interview that was shorter than the actual trip, he asked if I had a pocket for dog treats, and then shook my hand and said I had the job. I kind of thought this might not be the greatest career change for me when the majority of the questioning consisted of being repeatedly asked if I was sure I actually wanted the job. Well, the HR reps said that I was the perfect man for the job. Turns out, I was the only man for the job. No one else had turned up. So, from there, I was shown to my office, which can only be described as a broom cupboard mainly because it's actually just a broom cupboard with a table and chair on one side, a picture of his fluffiness Alvin hanging on the other side, and a waste bin with Give Me Your Trash, with a pair of rather evil-looking eyes sketched on one side. Well, with my predecessor now on his way into deep space whilst frozen in a compromising position with Dolly and no formal handover, Cookie the intern passed me a short and uh, slightly chewed job description. So, number one, the anacondas at Hutton are 100 credits. They are not free. Number two, do not go into cubicle three, ever, under any circumstance. Number three, keep Cecil away from the mega gin storage. Number four, beware that the security teams at Hutton like to shoot first. Shoot again, shoot some more, and then when everyone's dead, check to see if they have entered the correct room. Number five, do not interfere with Alvin's private security or you might just get a zero-G spaniel in the face. Number six, 
for the mug. So, it looks like I've got my work cut out for me. I just hope that not much happens all the way out here. I mean, it's not as if anyone actually comes here deliberately, is Chief, we have a situation here in Docking Bay 2. Here's what I think of that suggestion. We've got another one. You won't believe us about the anacondas. Don't be Meg. That's my favourite one. We need your assistance, Chief. Over. Looks like his neighbours have taken objection to our shouting. We're gonna need a medic. Chief Quinn here. I'm on my way. Out. Damn it. End of personal log entry. The briefing now starting in conference room three is the introduction to dark landing procedures. Welcome to the stop. This table in readiness. The trucking open was unfortunately declared null and void this week after Commander Buana Jim accused the umpire of tampering with his balls. Alvin has declared the Collector Olympics this week's winners. A representative from their manufacturer should report to his office to collect the paint pot. In the point two two light year dash, this station's very own loose knockers led from the start, but was tripped by a Montgomery Python before the finish line, ending both their chances at a galactic record still held by Brett Riverboat. That's it from the sport for this week, and all winners are invited to borrow the Hutton decal stencil. And Commander Flossie, that was entirely my fault there, <clears throat> because I left you muted for the entire of <laughs> the start of that bit, because I was trying to fix the audio problems. <clears throat> How fast can you go through that bit again at super double ah. speed for the benefit of... <laughs> yes, please. This is Commander Yoshida. Please repeat the sports. That was entirely if you my fault. So we're going to go for the super speedy, super speedy version from the top, if that's OK, Commander Flossie. Do it as fast as I can. <laughs> <clears throat> you got your teeth in? Right. OK. You got your teeth in? <clears throat> I'll just have a drink, hang on. Right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Hutton Sports results. The Hutton Hunkerson Trophy this week was a whitewash, with Light 027 riking up over 76,000 light years, despite stopping halfway for a pee and missing the first two water stops. It was only when Commander Light 027 finished they realised that their shoelaces weren't tied for the entire thing. In the no-holds-barred, full-contact, invitational ninja-off in the bounty-weight class, Commander Alex Zuno won by two falls, two submissions and a technical knockout, beating second-place Commander Mesa Kurin into a jivering wreck and cashing in on the 154,259,026 credit first prize. Final scores were Alex Zuno won, Misa Curin didn't. In the Bondweight free for all class, it was neck and neck between all three pugilists until the final round, with both Simmons and Brinksman throwing in the towel against Commander Argon Tanner, who ended the 12th round on 32,216,266 points. The clipper round the galaxy tourist race was won in commanding style by Joshua Mesa, who managed to reach his destination, hull intact and without flushing any of them into deep space, racking up an enormous tally of 4,599 passengers. Commander Yorinda Yoshida hit an asteroid and sank. 
with Commander Chivalry Bean suffering a passenger overboard incident that required a shoop of lame to go and collect. The Mission Masters final was called off due to rain and the next round is due to be held with the roof closed, giving the home pilot the advantage. Monty, the Rocket Python, has been at the practice table in readiness. The trucking open was unfortunately declared null and void this week after Commander Buana Jim accused the umpire of tampering with his balls. Alvin has declared the Collector Olympics this week's winners. A representative from their manufacturer should report to his office to collect the paint pot. In the, 20, in the .22 light year dash, this station's very own loose knockers led from the start, but was tripped by Montgomery Python before the finish line, ending both their chances at the galactic record still held by Brett Riverboat. That's it from the sport for this week, and all winners are invited to borrow the Hutton decal stencil. Thank you, Flossie. And now, because we know you're all missing him terribly, it's time to hear from our good friend Book, formerly of Lake on Spaceways, before we head into the weird world of dangerous food with Amelia and the Galnet Food Digest. Howdy there, truckers. There ain't nothing old Buck likes more to start his busy day here at Lake on Spaceways than something hot and brown. That's right, a good old mug of joe. And in the evening... When I head home, I relax with good old sipping whiskey. Now, Buck here knows these things ain't made in factories. No, sir. They're made by hard-working farmsteaders. If you're wondering how these hard-working farm types get their equipment and how the grain and beans get to my mug, let me tell you, it's delivered in a Lacon Spaceways Type 7. If you, like old Mr. Naked, need a barn with wings, you'll buy yourself one of these here vehicles. She's uglier than Cousin Peggy Sue, with a forehead bigger than one of my prize steers, and longer than one of old Buck's tails. But when you need to grind that coffee run, she has it where it counts. And for an extra 2,000 credits, we'll even attach them steer horns in front of your cockpit. Now you be careful out there. Them Imperial types don't like you denting their toast racks with your oversized forehead. But rest assured, the Type 7 from Lacon Spaceways will be the backbone of your next farm trip. Good evening. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Food Digest. We try the rarest and most dangerous foods in the galaxy, so you don't have to. This week, with a little more caution than normal, we have headed for the Mulachi system, one of the wealthier agricultural economies in known space. Population sits at a little over 4 billion, and it boasts two separate Earth-like worlds from which to farm produce for the surrounding area, or at least one of them does. 
Mulachi A1 is a breadbasket of a world, under 600 light seconds from arrival and the perfect location for food traders. Head out into the system, nearly 600,000 light seconds, and the second Earth-like is a different matter entirely. A planet a third of the radius of Earth and surface pressure twice as high. It orbits a red dwarf. And whilst it is listed as terraformed, unlike many worlds which have had extensive modification for human life, this has only needed a small nudge in the right direction. The combination of low light and the damp, dank natural conditions on the planet have led to the growth of a truly original local fungus. The Mulachi giant fungus is the most prevalent form of life on the planet, and standing on the surface truly gives you one of the rarest sights in the galaxy. Whilst there is other natural life on the planet, the Mulachi fungus itself can grow to the size of entire continents, creating eerie landscapes covered in tall stems with umbrella caps, huge wide plates the size of landing pads, suggestively shaped protuberances, and terrifying carnivorous fungus that catches local insects and devours them slowly over many years. It is worth noting at this point that the low gravity causes insect life on the planet to evolve to gargantuan proportions, and it's not unusual to see dragonflies the size of a taipan buzzing overhead. With the dim light from the star and this astonishing canopy, it is an Earth-like unlike any other. You can imagine a giant caterpillar sitting on a huge mushroom, hookah in hand. For many, this alien landscape is as terrifying as the Thargoid structures. For others, like myself, it is purely a gastronomic challenge. Whilst meats, real or factory grown, are still popular as a source of protein throughout space, the ever-increasing needs of vegans have led to huge fungus farms. Yeasts, molds, including penicillin and more modern derivatives, even rumours of weapons used to defend humanity against the Thargoids. All of these are courtesy of our friend, the fungus. The humble shroom is added to everything from a pilot's essential English breakfast, onward to oriental soups, truffle-infused oils, and right through to a hippie's belt pouch at a festival. The Mulachi giant mushroom has found fame, however, as a rare delicacy. The edible varieties found in groves of enormous thick vein bowls. Long ridges cover the surface and there is a musty, yeasty smell in the air near them. Prepared, dried and grated into any dish, they impart a flavour quite unlike anything I've ever tasted. It is fragrant but musty, earthy, and the aftertaste can only be described as similar to petrichor, the smell that hovers over the earth after a good rainfall. Carved and eaten as steaks, the texture isn't rubbery or slimy as one might expect from poorly cooked mushrooms, but thick and meaty. These are protein-rich in a way that many other foodstuffs aren't. In all, it is a delight, however it's prepared. Eating the steaks, I don't actually miss the fact that they weren't once roaming the plain somewhere and chewing the cud. Uh, grated into arancini, it brings back memories of autumn mor mornings just after the rain at home. So, why is it rare? The whole continent's covered with mulachi fungus. You wouldn't expect it. You would expect it to be plentiful. What's more, 
where's the danger? What appears on the face of it to be a huge mass of fungus is in fact a diverse ecosystem comprising toadstools, molds, mildews and smuts. The veiny edible balls are rarely found. What's more, they're deadly. The spores, should they enter your respiratory system, slowly turn you from the inside out, from an intelligent, articulate member of the human race into a mindless forum zombie, lurching from thread to thread and moaning in the most disturbing manner before it takes over. Those infested with the spores report visions that would have kept the 70s fad for concept albums going right up until the 3300s. Obsession with legs and feet seem common, as does a penchant for a bit of afternoon PvP, before proving unavoidably, incurably, absolutely and final, uh, finally fatal, of course. So this is the mycoid equivalent of fugu, of blowfish. Once harvested, every last tiny spore needs to be removed before it can be served. One error, and your diners turn into mindless, drooling creatures intent of, on devouring anything they find before sitting down, taking root, and sprouting spore-laden hairdos that spread yet more of the fungus. Chefs have to be trained for decades in these skills. And due to the risks, there are very few of them in the galaxy. So... It's abundant, but nobody wants to take the risk. As for me, well, I'm a natural risk taker, and the risotto I'm about to be served might be the last meal as a free thinker. But like a Hudson voter, at least I'll go with a smile on my face and ignorant bliss behind my eyes. I'm Amelia Hawke, reporting for the Galnet Food Digest. I'm sitting here wondering whether I'm seeing things or that caterpillar just puffed a smoke ring and flashed me a toothy grin. The Galnet Food Digest. We try the galaxy's most rare and dangerous foodstuffs so you don't end up believing everything you read on Galweb. Next week, we're moving from natural foods to the heavily processed and trying out Tulsi waste-to-paste units. Thank you very much, Amelia. And now it's time to head over to the other studio for The Sky Tonight. Good evening and welcome once again to The Sky Tonight. I'm Sir T, and as always, I'm here to guide you through the skies around Hutton, as well as the science, sights and sounds of the galaxy we call home. As ever, I have with me to help educate, entertain and exasperate our correspondent from Oop North, the supremely down-to-Hutton, the northern ninja himself, Norman Ski. Hello everyone. This week we'll be talking about stellar flares. What are they? How did they come about and who was the first one to attempt flying through one to fuel their ship? So... What does it all mean? Uh, he's supposed to say that. Aye. What does it all mean? Stellar flares are a sudden increase in brightness on a star's surface, usually in close proximity to a sunspot group. 
Flares are often, but not always, accompanied by coronal mass ejections. Ejections, I say. <laughs> the relationship between flares and coronal mass ejections is not yet fully understood. Flares are also closely associated with the ejection of plasmas and particles, as well as electromagnetic radiation across the electromagnetic spectrum at all wavelengths, from radio waves to gamma rays. Most of the energy is spread over frequencies outside the visual range, and so the majority of the flares are not visible to the naked eye, and must be observed with special instruments. Because of this, flares can trigger powerful stellar storms if they interact with the upper atmosphere of many planets around the star. My 25 times great-grandfather apparently wore flares that had the same effect in the 1970s. Anyway, such events, stellar flares, not fashion fails, risk the safety of astronauts, spacecraft and satellites, as well as terrestrial electrical grids and radio communications. For these reasons, it's essential to be able to predict the occurrence of such events. The prediction of solar flares has always been difficult because it's not completely certain how they're triggered. This led to issues with preparing for the impact of solar flares being felt on some occasions with almost no warning due to high-energy particles, which may be relativistic, that arrive almost simultaneously with the electromagnetic radiation. The radiation and particles from stellar flares travel at the speed of light, meaning that observations of the local star can give indications of their arrival only at the same time they become visible on the surface of the star. In the early 21st century, the so-called Kappa scheme, I wonder what happened to the schemed Alpha through to Iota, enabled Earth-based scientists of the time to predict the occurrence of solar flares many hours before they happened. The Kappa scheme, unlike previous methods which only had a 50% success rate at most, relied on the presence of strong magnetic fields associated with flares. Before a flare begins, electric currents flow along star's magnetic field line. When two of these lines overlap, they undergo a process known as reconnection, snapping the lines together and releasing a vast amount of energy. A solar flare. Magnetic reconnection may happen on stellar arcades. I'm told this has nothing to do with beer from the ancient Earth-based territory of Belgium. Stellar arcades are a series of closely occurring loops following magnetic lines of force. These lines of force quickly reconnect into a lower arcade of loops, leaving a helix of magnetic field unconnected to the rest of the arcade. The helix is known as a double arc loop. This field line then moves upwards as the instability grows, allowing further, smaller pairs of loops to reconnect underneath it. Over time, this creates a positive feedback loop that ultimately releases vast amount of energy. I wonder if it sounds like knicker elastic being pink. Anyhow. The sudden release of energy in this reconnection is the origin of the particle acceleration. The unconnected magnetic helical field and the material that it contains may also violently expand outwards, forming a coronal mass ejection. The discovery of this magnetic field-based mechanism was aided by the presence of the groundbreaking Solar Dynamics Observatory, SDO, launched a few years prior to the discovery itself. In current times, the presence of stellar flares and the ejection of mass they are associated with had enabled us to harness this effect to refuel stellar craft. No one quite knows who first thought of this and tried this manoeuvre, but historians suggest that the first attempts may not have been successful and, indeed, it may well have taken concerted efforts by a number of chocolate individuals before success was attained. A claim by the family of our own Dick Chafin claims that several of their distant ancestors were brave, I say stupid, enough to pioneer this technique. The fact of the matter is that we simply don't know. Next week we'll be talking about something else, but I'm not saying what it would be since last week someone nicked my jokes that I planned for use for this week. 
Not making that mistake again. Make up your own jokes, hucker. Until next week, I've been Sir NAT. And I've been awesome. Hey, he's been Norman Ski. And we're back. Crikey, I'm overdosing on science. Mainlining the astrophysics. I've got a headache. It's been an informative show this week. Yeah. Cool, dear. Yes, we've learnt lots. We've learnt, learnt that you need a new internet connection. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, or a new I'm, piece of string at the very least. I know, the damp string has <laughs> let string me down be this evening. I'm going to go and have a lie down in a darkened, a brightened room. Not a darkened room. But no, thank you very much to everybody. I mean, it, it's, it's been fantastic listening to everything. I've, I've, uh, Amelia, that was, that was legendary. Seamless and smooth with a schmoo. Legendary. Yeah. Smooth with a capital smoo. So, so how nice. were your mulachi nice. mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> I love mulachi mushrooms. But, I love mushrooms. All mushrooms are good. But you're not suffering any side effects. You've not turned into a forum zombie yet, I hope. And No, the only side effects I'm suffering are uh, from hunting coffee. <laughs> now tell us all about the Hutton coffee because we mentioned it a few weeks back. The the varieties of coffee that were available, but the Hutton brand coffee is quite a. It's not even rare; it's ultra rare, as in you can't actually buy Hutton coffee. Yes, this is true. Uh, it's also possibly the strongest coffee I have ever experienced. It's guaranteed to keep you awake on those uh, on those late night trucker runs. Well, yes, we did notice that there was one particular live stream when the Galactic Intern, when he was still there, uh, Ed Lewis had three cups before going on air and jibber-jabbered his way through an entire stream on Frontier at one point. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, um, other than that, do we have any announcements, uh, Palantir, for, for next week? We do. It's the last show of the month. And that oh, means... that, that's easy. That's a, that's, a, that's a hut and mug me. No, no it's not a hut and no. mug me. That's a guardian ruin. No, it's not guardian ruin. No, it, it's a thargoid. No, it's not that. What is it? It's no, it's not. It's more important than that. It's a green room. Yay! Your chance to talk hey. back to us. Well, assuming we haven't still got a satellite. If you've got something you want to say. <laughs> <Can you come laughs> <up? laughs> yeah, well, maybe if you start, if they start speaking now, you'll get it by, by next week. You've got a week to fly <laughs> back. It will be fine. Yeah, and we have an apology officer to give the uh, apology to give the apology that, officer that is... because the apology officer has been sitting there typing all the headlines and everything we've been talking about into the ticker, and and the ticker's on the blinker. The poor ticker is feeling desperately unwell. I just think it's her spelling. <laughs> okay, so it's a green it's a room week word. next week. Could, it was a difficult words. You could still try to get it in there, can't do it. Mm. Yeah, yes, green, green room, yes. Green room next week, which means you get into TeamSpeak server ts.forthemug.com and go down to the green room and then come and join us at the end of the show. And hopefully, without all the technical snafu of the last two weeks, we can have a chat with you and say hi. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to try dragging Ken. We had, down, a, we had um, technical problems a month ago. Of course, we had. Like a month the- ago for green room, we still had problems. Yeah, cow couldn't get it to work. Then the uh, luckily oh, that was, it was because um, of the zoom, wasn't it? it was bring yeah, the zoom. Bring yeah. Luckily it was. A, luckily it was. It, it had been a very hot day, and there were only three people in the green room that 
that month. Uh, so, okay. I mean, that's a very low number, but for once, that was actually quite useful, wasn't and, it? And has there because been they any, wouldn't have been able to speak anyway. Any comment from our viewer this week, or they've been mysteriously silent? Because I can't even read what they're saying. Any comment from our viewer? Anything anybody wants to read out? If not, we're going to head towards the end of the show at speed. No. No, everything's fun. Nobody's nobody's complaining. No, they they are typing. They're typing slowly because they know you can't read very fast. You know. Tiki tappy, tiki tappy. Right. Well, good night to everybody. Thank you very Just, much, um, everybody, all yeah. the presenters for this evening, and your input. It's it's been awesome. Thank you to the Sky at Night by Commander Snoz and uh, Commander Wotherspoon, who did his. It's the Encyclopedia Galactica. And I wonder what's coming next week. We've had Vogel. Are we going for the full Brewer next week, possibly? Who knows? We've got a, a comment in the Twitch from um, Ryan DTW. This is Commander Yuri Rashida. Can you please repeat the sports? <laughs> I only hold passengers for the purposes of filling the arcs cap of 400 arcs a week. <laughs> right. Well, if, if, if somebody can... can well, take the- Crack the door open. We'll see. We'll see if the apology officers on the tannoy this week. But um... this is a staff announcement. The Anaconda production line has jammed again. Could someone get Bernie to go in there with a stick and give it a shiggle? Thank you. Uh, situation normal over at Hutton Orbital. Well, I tell you what. Thank you very much, everybody. I'm going to go back and um, try and work out why the uh, the connection from Colonia uh, <clears throat> connection from Colonia is quite so shocking. So other than that, it remains for us to say thank you for tuning in and an enormous For The Mug to everybody. For The Mug! Mug! Mug. And I'm going to go and beat this antenna into shape. So um, I'm just going to leave you with our what is now our standard end-of-the-show tune and enjoy the rest of your evening and your weekend and, in fact, the entire week until next week. That's it from us. never really mattered at all we're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today super cruising all across the milky way we'll take anything anytime anywhere loading up the teen eyes to the brim with You know he leads us well Trucking across the galaxy Now everybody else
here today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We'll take anything, anytime. 